What's up, everybody? Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast with your host, Aaron Dante, who brings you the hottest interviews with the dopest people sharing their experiences all across the world. Now, here's your host, Aaron Dante. Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Today, folks, we have an amazing show for you. We have State Senator Corey V. McCray, 45th District of Baltimore City. Can't wait for you guys to listen to him. He drops lots of jewels and gems. We also brought my main man, Rio, at the Real Spin. I can't wait for you to hear him because he's dropping that heat. I have Chamira. You know who she is. She's been on the show. She's been dropping jewels and gems, talking about her books. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to her. Again, thank you for all the listeners from Baltimore to D.C. to Philly, New York, L.A., all over the place. Thank you for supporting the No Picks or Dark podcast. Without you, there will be no show. The No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly partnered with Remix Bar and Grill. Located at 819 East Pratt Street, just north of Harbor East. Remix is a sports bar offering a sole food menu. With over 20 TVs, pool tables, outdoor patio seating, and private rooms, Remix is set up to be your premier downtown destination to watch all your favorite sporting events. Open from 11 a.m. until 11 p.m. Monday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 12 a.m. Friday and Saturday, and 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Sunday. Check out Remix Bar and Grill on Instagram and Facebook under at R-Y-M-K-S Baltimore for daily happy hour specials and weekly events. Remix Baltimore. And folks, we are back with the main man, the quick spin, Mr. Rio. What's going on? Oh, man. Big time news today, man. Football. Let's talk football today. Uh-oh. Go ahead. Man. You guys heard of John Gruden? John Gruden. Uh, if you haven't, turn your TV on. Just turn your TV on, particularly if you're turning to ESPN. You can't miss this. But John Gruden, he's been a head coach in the NFL for the, uh, for the L.A., uh, excuse me, Las Vegas Raiders. Um, no better place to be, right, for the ultimate awesome Al Davis, win baby win Raiders. <laughs> but this guy has a um, sin baby sin attitude. Uh, so his emails have been released, and apparently this guy's been in his emails emailing former president of the Washington football team, right, Bruce Allen, because I'm going to say names on this piece. I want people to know exactly who these assholes are that we're dealing with this guy comes out and he starts emailing people about he doesn't want to see certain people in his team he doesn't want people of certain gender backgrounds on his football team he doesn't want to see women refs and ultimately they found these emails how dumb can you be can we all get rid of the good old boy network at what point are they going to start waking up and realizing that the people that are around them these people are all like-minded people just like you we don't need this anymore. And if the NFL really wants to take a stance and go forward, they got to start following some leads and, and start listening to the stuff they're putting in their end zones. You plaster in racism all over your end zone, and then you're paying a racist $100 million for 10 years. Now, I get it. Some people say that's not fair to call them a racist. But, hey, you're calling people porch monkeys in emails. I think that's a pretty clear indication. Nonetheless, like I said, Start pushing for minorities. Start pushing for women in some of these author, uh, places of, of authority. I guarantee you, if there weren't so many like-minded people around him, he wouldn't feel so comfortable. It's time to get rid of the good old boys network. 
Sorry, John Gruden, but not sorry. Kick his ass out of here. And we're going to catch you on social media and all that good stuff. Tell man, find me on Anchor, find me on Instagram at Act Like MJ Smith, as well as you guys can catch me on Spotify and Apple Music. Love it as always. This is a quick spin with Rio. Thanks. Visit your neighborhood sanctuary and do wellness for a luxurious experience for everybody. Treat yourself and a loved one with a massage, facial, or an entire day of pampering with our deluxe spa day packages that include lunch from the restaurant next door, fire and rice. For more information on booking or purchasing gift cards, visit their website at indowellness.com or call at 443-438-4048. They look forward to welcoming you and your loved ones to their beautiful new space at Soha Union, located at 4801 Harper Road, Suite 1. Hello, 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 everyone. My name is Chamira E. Fleming, but you can call me Mai. And I am the host of the Purple Charm Experience podcast. I'm also a romance author and motivational blogger. And today I wanted to share with you a little clip from my second book, Three's a Charm. Monica's head began to drop back in satisfaction as she held his head in her hands. Isaac's hands were pressed against her spine and she weakened in his hands as he began to caress her body. And this is a description of Isaac St. James. Let me ask you a question. Do you want a little steam? Want to know what it feels like to experience a hot romantic affair? Well, let me into your mind and mesmerize you with sexy, realistic, and definitely a story that brings that fire. Now, with that said, Three's a Charm would definitely take you on a roller coaster of emotions. Let's take a ride, shall we? And I'll be your guide. So pick up my second book, Three's a Charm Now, available on Amazon.com. If you love romance novels, then you'll definitely love all the books in my series, the Purple Charm series. I actually have a third book that's going to be released in 2022 called Perfect Chemistry. Stay tuned for more information about the book's release. But in the meantime, in between time, if you want to find out more about me and all of my happenings, please visit my website, www.creativecalfaray.com. Thank you. At Fishnet, every plate served starts with the freshest, high-quality fish sourced from local waters whenever possible. You get fine dining excellence delivered in a cozy, unpretentious, fast casual setting. Delicious does not even begin to describe it. Everything I've tried is made from scratch and incredible. The best fish I've ever had. Check them out for lunch or dinner at Mount Vernon Marketplace. Get caught in the Fishnet. You'll be glad you did. Menu and details at eatfishnet.com. Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Folks, I said October is going to be the hottest month of the year. October surprise part two. You know we did it last year. We're going to do it again this year. And we have a special, special guest coming on, folks. 
Let me let me let me break down the bio real quick. I'm gonna do it because the bio's so long, <laughs> but we're gonna make sure we do it right. Senator Corey V. McCray was elected to represent the 45th Legislative District in the Maryland State Senate in 2018. Since that time, he has been named Legislative Legislator to Watch by the Daily Record and Maryland Matters. Additionally, Corey also serves as the first Vice Chair of Maryland Democratic Party. Without further ado, the state, Maryland State Senator, Mr. Corey V. McCray, what's up? Aaron, just glad for the opportunity, man. Glad for the opportunity. Hey, that's why we're here, man. That's why yes, we're here. I'm, I'm honored to have you on the show. You know, I give a little, I always give, give people a little backstory. So <laughs> I was sitting in one of my, you know, my neighbor's house. We do a, a, a gathering. Mm-hmm. And my neighbor was like, I love Senator, State Senator Corey McCray. <laughs> and, you know, her and I don't see eye to eye on certain politics. <laughs> So it, it it turned my head like, oh okay okay tell tell me more, and I had knew I I know who he was you know I knew who he was because he's always in the district he's always walking around very friendly but I just never spoke with him, so I saw him at the Live Baltimore party mm-hmm. and I said hey we gotta talk I've been emailing he's like you have emailed me I said, <laughs> so I'm giving the background folks so y'all can understand how this all went down and he said what's your email Justin I'm gonna email you and sure enough. He emailed me the next day and was on it. So I appreciate you taking time, sir. Yes, sir. No, I appreciate the opportunity, man. I just um, just love my city. Uh, love representing my neighborhoods that I'm born and raised in. And most importantly, I think that each and every resident deserve uh, efficiency and effectiveness in their government and try my best to lead by example is the most important part. So I checked my own email. So that's why I kind of look at that piece of it and can kind of see it through. But But that's important to me, man. Customer service. I love it. I loved hearing that. I love hearing about that. So let's give the folks a little bit of background about you. You know, you're from Baltimore. Yep, born and raised. Born and raised. All right. What's your favorite childhood memory growing up in the city of Baltimore, Charm City? Oh wow, that's a uh, that's a zinger right there. You you like start off with zingers. Um, you know, one of the things that I think about is I remember uh, Lawrence Bell and Mayor Smoke always coming to my school. They had a very strong presence at my school. And I can't tell you exactly what they were saying at that moment, but that's the same type of behavior that I try my best to emulate because I think that it had a very strong impact, not just on myself, but my classmates. Nice, nice. I like that. You brought it back. Yeah, yeah, man. This was like, this the 80s, like 89, 88. Like, (laughs) I can remember. Okay, okay, okay. Were you a big time? Okay, so you, me, and you about the same age range then? I'll be thirty nine at the end of this month. Okay, I'm okay. I ain't gonna tell. I ain't gonna tell my age. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna do that, folks. We ain't gonna get into all that. But let's talk about was Eddie Murray. Were you, were you a big fan of Eddie Murray? Eddie Murray. I remember baseball. Yep, definitely Baltimore Orioles right there. Okay, and yep. then where'd you go to high school? Because everybody in Baltimore is all about the high school. Man, high, high schools is major, man. I went through a lot of challenges uh, growing up in the city of Baltimore. Some that our young men and young women face. So I went to three high schools. I did four months over at Emerson. I did about a year and a half over at Northern. And then I ended up graduating. We called it the two Fairmont Harford Institute right there at 25th and Harford Road. And from what I read from your bio, you had you said you, said, it was, you had some challenges. Yep. And what would you say was a turning point as a youth that really mm. changed you around like to where you are like you know to, to create who you are as a man now. Yep, yep. Um I think that when we graduate from high school, uh many of us 
don't know or didn't know what we were going to get into. Um, I always say, by the grace of God, I had a mother that didn't give up on our son. She reached out to the Maryland Department of Labor. She said, Corey, fill out apprenticeship programs, applications at each and every apprenticeship program. Luckily, I was accepted into the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. Aaron, why is this pivotal? Why is this a very important moment in time? Um, because I can remember starting off at $12 an hour. I can remember the scale going from $3, $4 raises each year. And I actually thought they were hustling me. So keep in mind that the folks in my family, you know, if you were making thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars, that was a lot of money. That's a big deal. So you're telling me that I can make thirty-five dollars an hour, and I just thought that maybe they put you out in your third or fourth year of this apprenticeship. I didn't have kids at the time. I got four kids at this moment: Kennedy, Reagan, CJ, and Bryson. The reality is, is that we get bills: uh, twenty-dollar bill here, thirty-dollar bill here, just from the kids going to the doctors and dentist appointments and things of that nature. But that's because we have good health insurance. So imagine if you didn't have health insurance and hopefully when that time comes I'll be able to retire with dignity such as the number of folks that entered into the agency um, the industry but for, but to answer your question I think that that apprenticeship moment kind of shed a different light it took me out of the full blocks that I was familiar with uh, put me around a number of folks that were doing different things within the craft specifically the craft and you had some entrepreneurs that I was working around and you know started buying houses up and down Bel Air Road when I was 20 years of age but I did that because I saw it and I said that they were no smarter than I was, I could do the same thing. Oh, so you were flipping houses at a young age. You know what? So flipping, I wasn't selling them. I was actually renting them okay. and, and, and holding on to them. But you know what? I always knew how to make a buck. So Corey, folks will say, Corey, know how to make a nickel scream, but like, <laughs> but, 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 you know, just being able to see it. And I didn't understand, you know, that houses appreciate at that moment. I didn't understand the tech shelter and things of that nature um, from it. I was just trying to make a couple hundred bucks. I figured if I got a mortgage, um, then you could uh, rent it out for that period. But the reality is, is that a, a bulk of them are in Bel Air Addison. And that was kind of what drove towards my political activism. Okay, okay, we, we, we're going to get to that political thing. So were you in any organizations, like political organizations in high school? Like, was this even on your radar at all? Or was this just something like that just popped out of nowhere? Or was there a mentee or mentor out there that just was like, hey, man, you got something to talk about. You got something to say. Nah, I, I, you know, I tell folks that I was like a lot of young folks, you know, that look towards politics. You leave me alone, I leave them alone. So I didn't even really start voting until probably like uh, late 20s. I, always, I met my wife, Demetria, when we were 17. I can remember when she immediately got into voting at 18. But like, I just had a different attitude towards it. I was trying to make a buck at that moment. And then you realize that politics is intertwined in everything that we do, whether it's the speed bumps that come on in our streets, whether it's the BG lights coming back on in two days or two weeks efficient customer service is wrapped around especially in the local uh political space that's interesting you're talking about that because so the route you took was an apprenticeship okay mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you didn't go did you go to a four-year or two-year for, for schooling so because i really really understood money i actually went through b triple c i did three years at b triple c this was night classes this is saturday classes this is a little bit of online um and and after that i did get an associate's degree at uh b triple c but i did it where i could pay for it as i was going along then i got my four-year degree at the national labor college i do think that each and every day um you can learn you can see from the book right here i try my best to keep a book in my hand in case i got any type of dead time so i think that there's always moments to educate yourself and that's why i use school as that vehicle maybe it was something out there that i didn't know about entrepreneurism that uh, i could pick up from one of the professors or one of the teachers at, at that uh, institution i love hearing that i love hearing because i always tell people 
about my story. Mm. I almost um, dropped out mm. my freshman year of college. Uh, I had, I was what they call academic probation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to play spades too much. In the, too I'm, too. I'm a good spades player, man. <laughs> I'm a good spades player. And I, uh, my parents said, listen, you can pick a trade up. Mm. No, no biggie. You know, you can you do what you want to do. And that was my scare straight moment. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and it was like, all right, let me, let me. And then I always remember, I started off with 20 guy friends my first semester. Mm. Only 10 came back. Mm. So I get it. So what about your friends growing up? Are they still around? Are some of them have the drive that you have growing up? Did you guys inspire each other? Did you guys, like, you know how people always say Maryland's the crab or... Did you guys push, uplift each other? I think that, you know, when I go through my neighborhoods, like, folks just give me a lot of love, man, because they see, like, something that might be unreachable, unattainable, but you know, like, oh, man, Corey did that. You, you could do it. I see, I saw a friend, Mia, and you get to watch their kids grow up. And, and you know, when I saw her at the State Fair, then I dropped the mom off a of citation. She said, Corey, you just dropped my mom off a citation. But the reality is they just so happy for you. I got childhood friends that even whatever they went through, they still show love. They still happy because like you beat you beat it you 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 beat every odd against it and now you're actually giving back to try to do stuff for the neighborhoods that we grew up in so again this is so you this is your neighborhood growing up all the way through and thick and thin yep yep lived it through and through it's changed hasn't it you know what you've seen some change for the good some change for the worse i think that when we were coming up probably in the 90s was a little bit uh, harder um, You were subject to getting locked up If you were just sitting on your porch You know So like it was a little bit different time uh, From from when I grew up But but not much has changed uh, We still have to make sure That we invest in our young people um, Our young people uh, need that type of love Whether it's recreation Whether it's the job training Whatever that is Because they're our greatest uh, jewel That we have um, And I think that that was something That was missing But that is something That I try my best to double down on uh, As I as I said in this space and share this space. Folks, we'll be right back after these messages. No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly sponsored by OpenWorks Baltimore. OpenWorks is Baltimore's largest maker space, offering access to tools ranging from 3D printers to welders and training in how to use them. OpenWorks also offers affordable studio space, a coffee shop, and fun and free events throughout the year. But OpenWorks is more than a public workshop. It's a community of creative professionals, students, seniors, entrepreneurs, and makers of all kinds. Check out the website at www.openworksbmore.org or Instagram at open underscore works underscore bmore for class schedules, membership options, and more. And folks, we are back with State Senator Corey McRae. I mean, he's speaking that gospel. He's preaching over here. I'm, about, I'm sweating over getting a sweat fan over here. <laughs> like back in church right now. I used to go to Bethel AME back in the day. So I, so I, I felt like I was going, but my knees started shaking a little bit. But, uh, it was, but I love hearing your story. I like to set that up mm-hmm. for the second part. Because mm. people want to know, invest in you, they want to know about you first. Yep. Let's talk about politics. Mm. I always wonder, why in the heck does anybody want to go into politics? Yep. Why do you want your life to be on TMZ. Like, I mean, that's what it is at the end of the day. If you hiccup the wrong way, you misspoke, you misspeak, you know, you knock to go knock, not the knock of certain certain place, but Fox will pick mm-hmm. up and say, oh, mm-hmm. he, he mm-hmm. thinks this way, you know, but it's just like, why do you, why, first of all, let's, why do you want to get into it? Let's, let's go, let's go there. 
So uh, I will be very honest that I didn't want to get into it. Um, as stated, I seen the neighborhoods that I grew up in facing a significant amount of challenges. I saw political machines in East and West Baltimore and good people couldn't cut through, to be honest with you. It was a young lady that ran for office uh, back in 2011. Her name was Shannon Sneed. And she had came within striking distance of 30-some votes uh, of the incumbent at that time. And I watched, you know, good person, but the challenge was that I watched uh, a number of folks line up behind who I thought wasn't the right candidate at that moment. Um, she had quit her job. She had didn't raise a lot of money, but she went out there and talked to people and had a passion for the work in our neighborhoods. And at that moment, I said, well, Corey, first you have the discipline to go out there and knock the doors. We knocked on about 10,000 doors for the run for the House of Delegates. You can organize. So we organized a couple hundred young people and built a little baby movement um, in order to get across the finish line. And then you can leverage. You can leverage the resources so the money piece of it wasn't that hard. We put together about 40-some thousand dollars, which to a lot of folks that's in that space isn't a lot of money. It put together a hundred real quick, but forty thousand dollars to me was a lot of a lot of money. Um, and we ran an eighteen month campaign, so I gave my life up for eighteen months to be able to uh, uh, represent the forty fifth legislative di district. And we went in there, and we had a ball. I went in the House of Delegates. We worked on voting rights, so folks that were on parole or probation did not have the right to vote until two thousand sixteen. So like that was a piece that we worked on, uh, increasing apprenticeship opportunities for our young men, young women in the city of Baltimore and across the state of Maryland. As stated, I lived it. Um, so how do you not try to make sure that you can expand on that piece of it? Because we know it works. The third piece is uh, just making sure we had school 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 construction transparency. So around the dollars that was being spent, uh, we see in our district, you know, or the entire city, 23 to 28 new schools are being built in the city of Baltimore. But we only got three in our district. And I asked the mm. question, I said, if you're building 23 to 28, and we're no the, the people that's more poor than us is the people in the heart of West Baltimore. How is it that you're not providing these educational opportunities that are gonna uh, uh, be the lifeline of our neighborhoods 20, 30 years from now? Because people move in the neighborhoods because it's safe and because they're good educational opportunities. Um, because we had so much fun, I had the attitude that I was up and out. I said, look, um, I can't sit in a space knowing some of the information that I know and knowing that we weren't truly addressing it in a manner that I thought it was deserved. So I said, look, I'm talented. I'll go do something else. I don't need to be here to, to define Corey McRae. So I ran for Senate. Um, this was one of the toughest challenges that I'd ever done in my life. Um, I ran against the second highest senator in the state of Maryland, so the Senate president pro temp. And when I say you didn't know that the stars could come and align against you, I'd always had high energy and thought things could work. But so many of my friends said, Corey, you sure you don't want to wait four more years? Or and, and I just said, like, that's not what I signed up for, man. Like, I'm here to make a difference. Uh, we, we won. We won by 17 points, so it wasn't even close. But we, the reality was I was very tired and didn't realize how tired my body was. It took me, uh, uh, I was going to sleep early. And I was waking up late and I was like, Corey, is something wrong? You need to start taking supplements or something. But it, after about three months, my, my body was just telling me, hey, mentally and physically, you worked me and exhaust me in a capacity that you've never done before. And then I found my limit. I knew what my limit was. But we went in the Senate. We had equally as much fun as the House thus far. I'm in my third legislative session going into the fourth one. We did minimum wage, uh, raising the minimum wage up to $15 an hour over a period of time. Um, the, we 
we've done uh, increasing uh, uh, tobacco tax. You know, the, the reality is, is that our young people are smoking at rates, alarming rates, and making sure that we can keep it out of their hands as much as possible. For my transportation fans out there, we did a bill that uh, over a six-year period, $2 billion, we call it the Transportation Safety Investment Act, making sure. But we've been doing things like expungements. We've been doing things around food deserts. We've been doing local control to make sure we can return it back to our police department. This year right here, Earn, we did 21 bills passed. Best year that I ever had, hands down. Um, but 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 uh, this one was the year where I learned a lot, but also worked a lot. I have a unique opportunity to be on a budget committee, one of 13 members chopping up a 50 plus billion dollar budget and just making sure that that's representative for the neighborhoods that have been neglected, uh, not been equitable is the main priority for me. And how many state centers are in the ball for the Baltimore area? For so, so on you that, on that on that on that on that committee though. So, so I'm the only one. That's that's, that's a good see, that's question. I'm, that's that's question. That, I'm, not, I'm the only one on the budget and tax, which then gives a great amount of leverage, gives me the unique opportunity to really dig deep down into our budget. And we have four subcommittees. So, because of the uh, ascension of President Senate President Bill Ferguson, that opened up opportunities. And now I'm chairing Public Safety, Transportation, and Environment as one of those four four folks that's in leadership. I will tell you, you know what really hurt me the most was. Uh, we lost out on the red line. Mm. Um, I think that's one of the things that still haunts me to this day. Yep. Um, I I worked on that on that on that line. Um, the company I worked for, and we were helping to purchase properties from people and whatnot. And I remember how amazing that was going to be for Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I remember like I was like, this is going to be Baltimore is going. This is going to be perfect for this. Yep. Uh, you know, imagine getting from Edmondson Avenue. All the way to Hopkins if mm-hmm. you need to get to the doctor's appointment, or you work mm-hmm. at or you work at Amazon, mm-hmm. you get across town. You know, I always thought our transportation system was different here. Mm-hmm. It was never developed to where it should have developed. Um, do you ever see that ever coming back? So we don't know if it'll come back in the form of the red line, but that east-west connection, so much work has already went into it, and we know that we have to, we have a void right there. Um, the challenge is, is that Baltimore has been transportation has almost been non-existent. We've got like a suited-up bus system that still don't work in the capacity that it should work in. But you see the most thriving cities across our nation; they have uh, high-spirited transportation opportunities for folks to be able to have walkable. Community, communities, but also having that transit access and getting there in a short amount of time is very, very important. As you stated, it brought it brought uh, shivers to me because $2 billion were moved out of our economy. You got to remember like uh, close to a billion coming from the state, giving up 700 plus million, like a billion coming from the feds, giving up close to 700 million from the state. And then also the addition of the local jurisdictions putting up money like that's that that just would have been jobs directly and indirectly to, to the city of Baltimore. Think about all the coffee shops. Think about all the gas stations, the supermarkets that would have indirectly benefited from $2 billion removed from an economy uh, from that standpoint on top of the trans-oriented development on top of being more healthier for our uh, environment because the more that we can uh, uh, get to these places in a short amount of time versus using cars and trucks and things like 
things of na nature like that. It would have been totally, uh, uh, totally beneficial for the Baltimore region, but unfortunately that didn't happen. Hopefully with the next governor, we all put tough uh, questions on them in reference to what are you doing for transportation um, for uh, the city of Baltimore and the Baltimore region. We know that uh, with the infrastructure dollars, Senator Chris Van Hollen and Ben Cardin are talking about making sure that there's a placeholder so that if we do move in this direction, that at least we'll have a start with the feds. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there is something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, carryout, and delivery, and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Harper Road, open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., and Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love hearing that. I really do. So I moved to your district and you said something that was very important that hits home. You said walkability. Mm. I moved over here and I was like, I needed somewhere where I can go. I can walk to the store. Yep. I can walk and go get my coffee. I have kids. I want to walk around the stroller. I don't want to think twice. Yep. Why can't I have the same thing that people have in Canton and Fells, mm -hmm. Federal Hill? Mm -hmm. And I really like this area because this area is becoming that. Yep. And just to see the foresight of like the walkability of like the safe streets, you know. Yep. The, and I like that. That has, that's a big change for a lot of people. A lot of people didn't like that. The change. It's like change for different, but. You know, what do you think about this Hartford, the bridge about to open back up? Yep. Do you think that's going to be a positive or a negative impact when that bridge opens back up for the area? I think that the more people you can get walking in any neighborhood is just great. So when you look at what we've done with Z Coffee, you look at a number of the restaurants that's on this corridor. So you got great food opportunities. Bookstore hopefully is coming back to our space. A studio on uh, Hoff Road uh, for, for, from that standpoint. Like the, real, the, the more that we can make our communities are diverse with stores, diverse from stores where it's not just methadone clinics or just barbershops or things of that nature. You have, you got the pet boys right there. Like you got your mechanics you need that in order for neighborhoods to thrive and the more people feel as though they can walk the better off our neighborhoods are going to become the more people are going to grow and as you talk about uh you know just growing our city we're losing we're going to lose a state senator in our respective area and hopefully we won't lose two but we have to think about what that next 10 years look like and i think that hoffer road the hoffer road corridor is in the front and center and leading the forward trajectory of baltimore city i love hearing that i love hearing that so Let's get to um, legislation for marijuana. What's mm. going on with that? I mean, I always hear we're a progressive state, but I don't think we really are a progressive state anymore. I look at it because I've not asked, I've asked other people in the political spectrum. Um, New Jersey is legal. Mm -hmm. New York is legal. Mm -hmm. Washington, D.C. is legal. Yep. Virginia is legal. Yep. What are, and Virginia is legal. <laughs> Virginia. Let's think about that. It's Virginia here. And now Maryland's right in the middle of everything. What are we doing here? I mean, I mean, I, I I can be honest. I went to California. I went to America. I went to a shop. I felt like it was an Apple store for a second, like because it was that legit. But those tax dollars, they tax the heck out of it out there. And and I've heard people say, "Well, we don't know the we don't know the model. The model Colorado's been open for a while. Washington State's been open for a while. Where are all these excuses? I mean, come on. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out where we are because a lot of these convictions need to get overturned. A lot of this stuff from people yep. way back. Yep. 
you know, now you see more of the, I'm going to be honest, more of a rich people mm-hmm. own the medical marijuana thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they make making millions. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Senator? So, first, it's inevitable. It's coming. It's definitely coming. You've seen where both of our leaders, the House, the Speaker, Adrian Jones, and you've also seen the Senate President, Bill, Ferg- Bill Ferguson, signal that, yes, uh, we're doing it. We're trying to figure out which manner we're doing it in. You've also seen a number of these gubernatorial stand- uh, candidates take public stances on it and says, yes, I um, support um, legalization of marijuana, which is a good thing. So let me be very, very clear that it's coming. Um, the House has proposed to do it as a ballot initiative so that it will be on a ballot in 2022, next year, next June, ne- next November. I apologize. Um, and the Senate has said, hey, we don't need to do it as a ballot initiative. Let's just do it right there. Let's get it done this year um, type of thing. I think that there is going to be some type of middle because obviously that's what we built government for is some level of consensus. Um, but but I do know that something is going to get passed this year. I can just feel I'm about 90 percent sure uh, that something is going to get done this year to move us forward uh, with uh, marijuana, the legalization of marijuana. I think that you brought up some very interesting points, though. So we're going to have to have very, very strong conversations. We're 60 plus in the black caucus, 60 plus in the black caucus. So those folks have been affected because of their employment, housing, a number of issues around uh, being arrested for marijuana um, is going to have to be dealt with. You saw in New Jersey, New Jersey actually said that the people that get prioritized, prioritized for licenses are people that had convictions in the past uh, for this. So like you're going to see some. some form of progressive movement, making sure that we deal with these issues. This is unique because it's not like sports betting. It's not like that. Like this is a, a industry that's a disenfranchised black folks for years and decades on top of decades on top of decades. And folks are looking um, to make sure that that is uh, properly addressed when the legislation does come forward. What is one of your most proudest moments? Bills you passed the one that you were like, this is, this is why I'm here Yeah. because I always tell people, this podcast is for the voices of the unheard. And what can, what have you done to incorporate that? You can say, you know what, this is what I've done for the, the community that I live in. Yep, yep, yep. So you got to remember, like, I done seen it at its worst, and I done seen Baltimore City at its best. And when I think of that, the challenge that we have in the city of Baltimore is the inequities that we have across um, the city of Baltimore and failing to be addressed decades on top of decades on top of decades. So the thing that brings the greatest smile to my face is when when I can see the folks that may not vote, the folks that may not vote the most, um, those folks that are deeply impacted but don't understand the importance of government, how can I affect them and raise that bar for them? So voting rights, my first year in office, 2015. And just so that you can understand to the degree that I'm talking about, let's take uh, uh, two zip codes in the city of Baltimore. 21210 is the north part of Baltimore City. It was 10 people, 10 people in the whole damn zip code that were on parole or probation. Let's take a zip code that I represent, 21213, which is basically Bel Air Addison and everything down the hill, 937. So when you talk about 937 versus 10 in a zip code, like that's what winning looks like when you're talking about from an equitable standpoint. Those people that go out in 21213 and faithfully vote each and every year, all those older black women, they're directly, indirectly impacted because the people next to them, such a large concentration of them, 
would not be able to vote even if they wanted to have the right to vote. So 2016, that changed. Flipping that on that, that its head, it was like one of a beautiful moment for me because it was 40,000 people impacted by that legislation my first year in office. The second one that I would say brought another smile to my face, and we debated this. We, we debated uh, uh, voting rights rigorously on the floor, but when I say in committee, on the floor, when it come back round, um, uh, the House bill, I could just remember having pains in the side from uh, raising the minimum wage. We've uh, mo moved up the minimum wage um, over a period of time. It'll trigger uh, $15 an hour. Um, but but I can just remember being in the cusp of it. I can remember being deep inside of it. And Aaron, when I talk about who does this impact, who's the people that don't make $15 an hour? They are typically 55% are women and 50% are black people. So when you think about who this affected, this affected black women and women in general, because they're working in our hospitality industries, they're working at a number of our hospitals and things of that nature that don't make $15 an hour. That's, that's that I knew I'd done service at that moment. And how does politics indirectly impact it? You saw Under Armour. I'm moving up to $15 an hour. You saw Amazon, I'm moving up to $15 an hour. You saw Hopkins, I'm moving up to $15 an hour. You saw the University of Maryland, I'm moving up to $15 an hour. And this is doing it without having to do it. So like these happen just because of we passing it, but moving in that direction, man. That like brain, I know that that's why I went there to try to address inequities. People should not have to work two or three jobs, Aaron. And just so that you know how it hits home, I can remember my mom working to two three jobs i can remember walking to school by myself in elementary school and i can remember walking home with a red whistle and my key around my neck because my mom was working two jobs and and that's what we had to do so i can remember these points and i'm thinking about it like man what are you doing walking home third fourth grade obviously you didn't have to walk a long distance but why would you anybody any kid have to before you go to school you walk into school before you come home and then locking the door until your mom gets home six, seven o'clock uh, 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 from work. Like that's not the way life's supposed to be. So these type, these, you ask me what made the greatest impact, what puts the biggest smile is when I'm solving issues that I know are impacting somehow our young people are affected <clears throat> by it in some capacity. The No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly sponsored by Maggie's Farm. Located at 4341 Hartford Road, Maggie's Farm offers a unique dining experience with delicious handcrafted cocktails and mouth-awarding cuisine from falafel to scallops and everyone's favorite honey sriracha cauliflower wings. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m. Wednesday through Saturday and serving brunch Saturday 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. with delectable chicken and waffles, shrimp and grits, biscuits and gravy and more. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for explaining that to us. So with COVID and the, and the world, the world slowed down for a little bit. Mm -hmm. How did that affect your job? I know that you guys weren't going to Annapolis anymore. Yep. yep. How did you guys maneuver that? And then what did you hear from your constituents and business owners? Because a yep. lot of businesses yep. struggled after yep. this. Yep. Nope. And it's not right. I'm still You're struggling. Right. What did right. you do? So first it was tough out here for business. You saw what we went through with our schools. You saw what our seniors were going through. Like each and every community was affected in some capacity. And I'm glad that we, you know, as the legislature was able to work with the governor's office to be able to pass like a COVID emergency uh, uh, 
uh, bill early on in session. That's one of the first things that we did in session to make sure like our arts and entertainment folks wasn't going to museums. Folks wasn't going nowhere. So like they were directly impacted. I sat down with the BDC to be able to understand some of the grants that was uh, uh, handed out to and seeing what's on the Huff Road corridor, the Bel Air Road corridor, my North Avenue corridor and knowing that we did the people's business. When I think about like the uh, uh, um, safety for distance type of thing that's happening on Huff Road, happening in Station North, happening in Bel Air Addison at this moment right now, I know that we did our responsibilities. Um, COVID, you know, presented a unique opportunity, especially for like our higher inst educational institutions, but it presented these unique opportunities to say that we have to do better. It exposed us to say like, hey, maybe folks can work from home. Maybe this uh, the, the digital divide truly does exist because everybody didn't have a computer in their uh, hands, especially our young babies. Maybe it exposed in reference to the service, the internet service that happens in some of our communities, whether you're in urban jurisdictions or rural jurisdictions. Maybe it exposed that, you know, like some of our young people had to learn with four or five siblings in that room so the bandwidth for that computer wasn't doing the same type of thing, or it just wasn't a conducive uh, learning environment in which they had to learn. It exposed us in a lot, but I think they presented a number of great opportunities, and I think we took action during the last general assembly. I think that last year was big. Uh, last session was big, I should say, because of the work that we were able to do. And I should give a big shout out to the federal government, because they did give us ARPA dollars. They gave us ESSA dollars to deal with a number of those issues. But I think that we could pass those dollars right back into our business community, right into our educational institutions, our arts and museums, our transportation, uh, in our hospitality, some of this stuff still has not come back, but I know that we did we did right by a number of industries and how it would impact Baltimore. And I know that the, that that was just state. That was just state. So I know that six hundred million is still sitting at our local jurisdiction, and our mayor, our council president, and our council folks are having that conversation about what does that look like and who does that impact. Yeah, I have a lot of listeners outside of Maryland, and what would you say to them about Baltimore? Mm. What would you tell them about Baltimore? Because this episode is highlights all the positive things about Baltimore City. And that's what it's all about. And I have people from all across that listen. What would you tell them? Why, if they had a family and they had a job opportunity to come move to Baltimore, why would they come here? Yeah. So it's a couple of points that I'll uh, hit from that standpoint. So when I think of Baltimore City... When I think of Baltimore City, I think about the, it being exposed on this COVID, how great of the parks that we have. So, like, we took a biking because we couldn't do any type of sporting um, events, but we got to see a number of our parks. You think about the one right down the street, Herm Run Park, and that amenity. You think about the Great Blacks and Wax Museum. You think about the uh, zoo. You think about all these different amenities from that standpoint. I think, hands down, folks know that the best crab cakes are uh, at Coco's. <laughs> um, so, I like to take a jab at everybody to think not, but just wanted to make sure that we point that out. Um, um, but when I ask people that are not from Baltimore, sometimes you got a jaded view because you're from, you take it, you, you just take these things for granted. They say that our food spaces, they say the diversity in food in the city of Baltimore is mean. And I was like, man, you're right. We got Caribbean, you can get Italian, you get, you know, mm -hmm. so you got a number of folks uh, that, that will express, especially if it's not from there. And then I think it's the people, man. You know, we're a space that is very much a town of communities. And like, you know, I don't make it out of East Baltimore, Northeast Baltimore much, man.
man. So like, if you name the smallest street in West Baltimore, I'll be like, huh, where was that at? Well, you name, or but you name uh, Port Street, I'll be like, no, nah, just bend the right, right there, you know. So like, we're very much uh, a, a, a city of communities and took very much pride in our communities uh, from that standpoint. So like you said, while Federal Hill and Canton got what they got, Huff Road got what we got, Bel Air Road got what we got. Um, you look at what they're doing down there at EBDL, what Johnson Square is doing uh, in that community. You look at what they're doing in Station North. Like this is very major, and I love the communities that uh, I get to see each and every day. I I mean, you just broke it down. I mean, you, you jumped into one of my questions, but that's all right though. We gonna, <laughs> we gonna, we gonna, if you could look back at your younger self, mm. what would you say about you? What would you say about your younger self now? Looking back, where you at right now? What would you say? Mm. What would you tell yourself? That's a lot. Um, you know, and, and I say this to, to my young people, uh, I tell them to work hard. Uh, nobody can never say that Corey McCray never have, have a work ethic, but make sure that you work hard. I think that I would tell folks to cultivate relationships. You meet a number of people inside of the space that we share, this one life that we're given, but make sure that you take advantage of those uh, relationships and making sure that you can offer up opportunities for other people uh, as you're cultivating those relationships. Disciplines. You know, I've always been a saver. Um, I think that I've, I've seen myself grow in a number of the disciplines that I have, and discipline can mean a lot of different things you know but like mental discipline health discipline these are very very important and I know that it sounds cliche but the the last one that I always say is give back man like I didn't realize you know a, a lot of our young people we grow up and we think getting money is winning like hey the more money I make I'm, I'm winning or the the true measure of success is how many people can you get across that finish line I think that that's what you do every day is you're opening up the airwaves if you're making sure that you're giving a voice to the voiceless how do you get more people across the finish line and that's what life is truly about so if just to re-hit the points for anybody that missed it work hard I think they work hard but once sometimes working hard just don't get you through that door it, it does take that relationship and the cultivation of that relationship disciplines are very important but most importantly when you make it it's important to give back hey, I, I, I'm not going to say anymore he, he said it all for me so we got through the hard part <laughs> We're going to do a little rapid thing called rapid fire. All right. I hope I'm ready. I ain't that quick on my no, feet. You're good. You're good. What inspires you every day? What inspires me every day? My uh, kids. I got a Kennedy, Reagan, CJ, and Bryson, 14, 12, 7, and 6. And the smiles that they put put on their face. You got kids. Like, yeah. the, like the smiles that's put on their face, they're genuine. Like, kids say the most honest stuff. And you be like, <laughs> I can't believe you said that. But, like, it, it's so much opportunity in our young people, man. It's unexplainable. I love it. I love it. What is your favorite thing to do when you're not working? Reading. Uh, right now, I got a book of uh, Carl Stokes. Um, he's the first black mayor of Cleveland. And uh, I think that each and every opportunity, we should be learning. And I enjoy reading because it kind of removes me from that space that I'm in at that moment and puts me in another one. What's your favorite book? What is my favorite book? Right now, I really enjoy uh, Black Fortunes is one of my favorite. Uh, it talks about the five first black millionaires, O.W. Gurley, um, some of the people. And this was millionaires when, you, you know, like the early 1900s and things of that nature. Definitely, uh, uh, I keep that one on my shelf. Um, true or false, you got hustled for, uh, uh, by a chess champion. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I enjoy uh, playing chess. I'm pretty sure that somebody, uh, somebody. Oh, you know what? I did. I had a young Tyler. Young Tyler ain't tell me he was actually um, uh, on a, ch a chess team for a school city neighbor's high school. Best crab cake in Baltimore. Hands down, Coco's. Crab cakes or crabs? Crab cakes. Snowballs or ice cream? 
Ice cream. Oh, I, I know. Uh, I know the snowball piece. Hey, I threw you off right now. Uh, he threw me off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Flats or drums? I'm definitely a flat man, and like, don't even want to. Flats all day long. Blue cheese or ranch? Ketchup. All right. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna ask. I'm not gonna ask that question. I'm loving this. <laughs> Favorite city to visit? Not Baltimore. Favorite city to visit? Not Baltimore. Um. I enjoy Boston. Okay. So what? Oh, chess or checkers? Chess. Okay. And what's the best advice you've ever received? What's the best advice you ever received? Uh, you can do anything that's unmanageable, uh, unimaginable. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where can we find you on social media? Are you TikToking? Uh, you know, I don't, are you TikToking I'm, yet? I'm, I'm getting old, man. <laughs> oh man, I can't keep up with these young folk, man. The, uh, uh, but on social media, on Facebook, we're Senator Corey McRae. Um, on Instagram, it's Corey McRae. On Twitter, we're at Senator McRae. Um, and uh, email, and that's that's always the best way to reach me is Corey C O R Y period McRae M C C R A Y at Senate S E N A T E period State S T A T E MD, period, US. Phone number 410-841-3165. Once again, because I hate when people say it too fast, 410-841-3165. And where can, is it, is it easy to get a hold of you? It, I try my best to make myself very accessible. And when does session go back in? When do you guys play with the session? So, so we meet the second Wednesday um, of January, and we go all the way until the second Monday of April. You guys got a lot of things going on. It's a lot, a lot, lot. And this is when you really prepare. So those folks that are thinking about legislation, those folks that are thinking about capital dollars, this is that moment that you want to start having those conversations. You don't want to have it when you're in session. You would, Like you just said, where are we at on legalization of marijuana? This is where you should be trying to get folks positioned. Obviously, you want to see how the bill looks. But the reality is, is that you should be able to answer a number of these questions at this moment. Okay. Well, folks, you heard it here first. And hopefully I can get back on twice. Hopefully we can get them twice. We can get them back on. Cause I, <laughs> I might, enjoy cause, myself. Cause I, I enjoy might, myself. I might have to make a trip to Annapolis and we have to go down there and see what's really going on down yep, there yep. for the folks. But again, I appreciate you, Senator State Senator, for coming on. Uh, I always try to give everybody a hot October with the amazing guests. I have amazing guests all year long. But October, I like to, you know, kill them with the fire and heat and just mm-hmm. say, I call mm-hmm. it my sweet. That's why you month. got that orange shirt on. Oh, no, no, no. That's, that's a cue. That's a kiss, a cue. That's a cue. But it's all good. I appreciate you taking time because I know you're a busy Enjoy man. Myself, brother. I know you're very busy. But again, thank you so much. I saw him in the community the other day. I was like, and I saw him say, that's what I'm talking about. You're Working. In the you're in Working. the community. And I love seeing it. So, folks, love, peace, and happiness. We're out. Mm-hmm.